0: Hi, and welcome to the Dress That Channel. We are so glad you're joining us. God has a place and a purpose for you, and we hope this message helps you find that and know how much He loves you. Thanks for stopping by and enjoy the message. So uh, I guess it's true, the camera does add 25 or 60 pounds. Um, (laughs) Hey, I'm Sean. Welcome this morning. I'm going to pray real quick as we uh, dive in this morning. Pray with me. Father, you are good, Uh, Jesus. we, We know that you are working. Um, that you are working in our waiting, that we are um, consistently being held, uh, held up by you, and um, that you do not falter, you do not fail. Uh, Lord, and there's nothing that I personally love more than uh, to be reminded that you are steadfast, that you are unchanging, uh, that your call uh, doesn't leave us, it doesn't um, get taken away from us, but instead, Lord, that you um, are with us. And Father, I pray that as we Uh, look into a pretty popular text this morning, and as we take some um, pretty vulnerable steps, God, that you would uh, just move in our hearts, uh, that we would uh, feel hope and joy, um, and that we would uh, look forward to opportunity, and uh, God, in all of this, that as we do these things, that you would move in our hearts. God, help us to, to, to see more of the things you want out of us, so that you can replace it with who you are. God, help draw us more toward a love for people and each other, and help us to not um, be weary of the call you've given us because it's an incredible opportunity, and we thank you for it. We thank you for the city. We thank you for these people and for our hearts that you've given us and the breath of today that we have. Let us not waste it. Uh, It is in your name we pray, all God's people said. Amen. Um, So I I know, if you don't know me, my name is Sean. First off, hi. Uh, Thankful to have you guys here. Um, I know if you do know me if you've been here before, you might look up and be like, "Wow, Sean, you are really smooth all the time. Um, oh good, okay, I have most of you fooled. That's great. Um, no, but uh, actually i'm I'm not too smooth.'m uh, i pretty pretty uh, excitable most of the time. Maybe you've experienced that as well. I heard some people laugh that might have been my mom. Um, but uh, I feel a little bit of apprehension about this morning, not because... I think that like I'm just overly excited or whatever. I think just because we're taking kind of a, a big step in what you're going to hear this morning. We're going to ask some kind of big stuff. Uh, and I, I feel like maybe almost like it's the first time asking a girl out, right? All the guys know what I'm talking about. As you looked upon that woman who would be your wife and you said, I need to, to date her, but I hope she has not turn me down like the other 46 before her. <laughs> I just know this is the one some of you at North Greenville, like I've heard people say that at the at the lunch table, she's mine. Actually, my, my very first week, I love North Greenville, please don't hear any hate, my very first week at North Greenville, I was uh, by myself, because I had just been there for like two days, and I came in at the second semester, so it was the first week of January, so everyone was so pumped to see their friends and talk about Christmas, and I didn't know anybody except one guy that I lived with, and that's because he had to be my friend, and So I was having lunch, and like four spots down, I heard this girl say these words, and they've stuck with me for, I guess, what, 17 years now. She said, I know that we have never talked, but I just know he's the one I'm going to marry. And I was like, I am out of here. Uh, Just just in case she saw me, I'm gone. Um, I'm sure she's a sweet girl, and she's probably married, probably to him, um, and having a great time, but... She was talking about me. <laughs> Got him. Um, but hey, no, but he, here's why that hurts. And if you're a guy who's ever asked a young lady out, felt that pressure, here's why that's a hard thing. Because first off, it makes you incredibly vulnerable, right? Like we as guys are told to build these walls up and being super tough. You're like, nothing can move me. I'm all right. You don't like me. That's cool. How many, how many of you heard people go like, I, I don't care what they think about me. You don't have to like me. I'm like, yeah, okay. That's like the girl who goes on Facebook. is like, I hate drama. <laughs> Y'all know. Yeah. Y'all know. Yeah, if you came here expecting Trailside Baptist Church, I apologize. Um, no, but, but it makes us vulnerable, right? Um, not that I've experienced this, but some of us have been rejected before. I have a 100% rate. These are all lies. I'm telling lies in church. Um, and it can be embarrassing, right? Like you're risking that opportunity to be a little bit embarrassed for people, for someone to know a feeling that you had, and they have all this opportunity to either confirm it or reject it. And so that, that can be real hard and painful, right? Now, this is exactly why when I met Lane, I actually didn't ask her on a date. Uh, this is legitimate. She's back there. You can ask her. I told her she had to go out with me just once, right? Am I lying, Lane? Yeah. Yeah. See, church is still small enough. You can look at the pastor's wife and see. I I literally, it was like the most courageous move I've ever made in my life. And I've only done it once. (laughs) I was like, hey, listen, here's the deal. You got to go out with me once. If, If it is terrible and you hate me, I will leave you alone forever. But if you don't, at least you can say like, you know, you took the chance. Well, what she didn't know was I'd spent the two weeks before that talking to her best friend, confirming that she definitely actually liked me and was interested in going on a date with me. Yeah. Uh, Even like the day before, I was like, hey, are you really sure? 100% sure. And Lane came in to, quote, study for an exam. And because we worked at the same place and sat in her friend's section when I just happened to have some time. And as I was walking to the table, I stopped by her friend Kelly, and I was like, hey, are you really sure about this? And she goes, Sean, oh, my gosh, just go talk to her. It's like, fine. So I went up, and I was like, hey, you have to go on a date with me. Uh, I believe the kids these days call it being a hashtag baller. Um, pretty, pretty sure that's how that works. Um, yeah, no, but uh, I know that's totally ridiculous. But, um, but, but it's funny, right, because we, we provide this, like, vulnerability that we put out in front of people when we hope that they return some semblance of knowing that we're a human being. And, and if they don't, we let that destroy us. And, and it takes away joy, and it takes away all the things from us. And um, I actually was doing some research about this, um, which, babe, if you find my computer, I'm not worried about being rejected. I was searching for this. Um, not asking anybody on a date. Maybe Josh Bradford, but that's later. Um, I'm not, shouldn't be here. <laughs> But uh, this guy talked about rejection and dating and why it matters and why we struggle with it. And then he said, in order to help you, I'm going to film a video of myself being rejected by five women. And so literally had his buddy follow him around with a camera and watch him get rejected by five women and then put it online. And the end of that, he was like, see, it's really not that bad. Well, meanwhile, I'm watching it. I'm like, oh, this is going to go poorly. But. Here's the thing. Here's what I've learned from that is that you'll never get over a fear that you refuse to deal with. You'll never have the opportunity to break a wall that you won't walk up toward, right? You, you have to take that chance in order for something to come of it. Otherwise, you're going to sit back in fear and just wish you kind of made it work. And I think we have done that with church. Right? Like, we're scared to walk in the door. How many times have you talked to somebody and invited them to church, and they're like, well, if I went in church, I'd probably catch on fire. Anybody heard that before? Yeah, I want to look at them and be like, how awesome do you think you are? Like, 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 like the Lord is like, I'm just waiting on him to walk in, the, and there it is. <laughs> you know? I, I, well, you know, I just had a bad experience. So here's what I went and looked up. Uh, it's, it's the t- top 10 reasons people leave church. It's from this guy named Tom Rainer. He's Brilliant. If you know him, um, he's incredible. But it's on factsandtrends.net, which, knowing that that's the name of the website, you can trust everything. Um, It's on the internet, guys. Come on. That was a joke that didn't land. Um, But he said this is the the top 10 reasons people stop going to church or they don't go. The first is that they, they get out of the habit of going, right? Just you do it once, and then you do it like a second time, and then second becomes third and fourth, and eventually you're like, yeah, I used to go there, it was fine. Or they left after they had a new life process, so like graduating school or a child or a marriage or something like that. And they decided, well, I'm fulfilled now. I'm good. Um, number three, they decided they didn't like the institutional church. right? There's a big movement right now. It's of people who say, I don't need church. I just need friends. And so they'll gather together like throughout the week and hang out. And that's church. Pretty interesting. Um, or five, they, they say they couldn't find a church to meet their needs. Isn't that interesting? Let me tell you where that comes from. It comes from the idea that a church should serve us. We miss who the church is for, what it's actually about. Number six, they had a need and felt the church didn't meet it. Interesting, right? Pretty popular thought process here. I needed this. They didn't have this, so I went somewhere else. Fair. Seven, they never felt connected in the church. Eight, here's a tough one, they didn't give to the church. Let me tell you why I am a hardcore Cleveland Browns fan. Because I've spent money on a Sunday ticket and bought helmets and shirts and things and watched them lose every single game. And my goodness, when they're good, y'all are going to know. <laughs> I'm going to paint this room orange and brown. I'm Just kidding. <laughs> just kidding. But but it's because there's investment there, right? And so if there's no investment, it's easy to walk away from. It's like any other relationship. If you don't have investment in relationship, it's going to be easy to break that relationship because you haven't put anything into it. There's nothing to lose. But that comes because we're scared to take a risk. Number nine, they left when their pastor left. No fear here. We do have an elders meeting tomorrow night, so if this is my last time, it's been a joy. Or number 10, they, they simply moved and, and never went back to church. But I, I think those are all really honestly just kind of pieces of what actually is the problem in churches. And those are just symptoms, right? It's a, it's a band-aid to fix these things. Like we can go and fight for people or fight with people and go, okay, well, if you didn't like, you know, there was a, not a knitting club, then we'll start a knitting club. You know, and that'll be great. And then six weeks later, you're like, I'm the only one who likes knitting. And then you leave. Why we don't have a knitting club. Got a 0% return rate, I guess. I don't know. But today, what, what I want to do is I want to take that risk with you here at Trailside Day. And if it's your first time with us and um, your story is going to be more of like six months down the road, that's okay. Just walk with us in this. Um, I hope you're still challenged in it. But I want to be honest and say, tell you, um, I was back in my office praying at uh, 10.28 a.m. this morning and felt like I was asking a girl out for the first time. Nervous, anxious. I didn't throw up anywhere, which is great. But, but you still get that feeling sometimes when you go and have conversations like this today. And so what I want to do is I want to ask you to head to Acts 2 today. If you have our app, um, it's actually on the app as well. Um, we really need to put a picture so you can scan the app up here, but uh, I don't even remember what it's called. It's through Tively. Do you remember what the app is called in the app store, anybody? Church app. Church app. There you go. You can go to App Store, Google Play, download Church App, and it'll actually find your location, pick you up here. Um, I'm glad that like half the church knows something and I don't know it. That's great. Um, I love this church. No idea what the app is. But uh, you can go there and we have our um, sermon notes and everything as well. You can follow along. And uh, actually, you can even take them and email them to yourself afterwards, because I'm sure that I'll say something that just blows your mind. Um, I'm just kidding. But this is what Acts 2, starting in verse 41, says. And if you've been in church for any amount of time, you've probably heard this, uh, this scripture. But what's happening here is that Peter just gave this incredible sermon at Pentecost. The Holy Spirit comes down, the church is blowing up. And then we find out in verse 42, actually, um, why that happens. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship and the breaking of bread and the prayers Here's the question that I want to walk through this with you this morning. What would our church, what would the American church, what would Trailside look like if we were as united as they were? Like, So the, the church in Acts is absolutely exploding. Uh, they're exploding in number. They're exploding in mission. Like God is blessing them and incredible things are happening. What, what would it look like for us to say that that actually can occur here in our culture? Because remember, like, this is a pretty... Jesusless culture. He was kind of a new thing for people right then. We're talking a few years. So what could happen that would make that occur where people didn't know each other and were moderately godless or were very religious about pagan things, right? What would that look like? What would it mean for the South, the deep South that we're in or the Southeast or church, whatever you want to say, Bible Belt, What would it look like if if we weren't okay with status quo church? What would it look like if we we weren't okay with just trying to be better than the church across the street? Because I got something to tell you. There's one thing I've learned. It's that a lot of churches just want to be better than the church across the street. Right? But what if that didn't matter? What if the church was actually only concerned with making Jesus famous And seeing incredible things happen in people's lives because of the gospel. What if that was our concern? What would that look like? And and, and is that the goal of our church? Is that the goal of Trailside? Because that only comes from one thing it comes from unification, it comes from being together, right? If your family is all in shambles and messed up and nobody can agree and you're arguing all the time and you're not striving after the same thing, what happens? You fall apart. Right? Some would call this Michigan football, and that's okay. <laughs> that was a pointed statement at four people in here. I love you all very much. <clears throat> or USC football, you can say that too. That's fine. Sorry, Ohio State won 76 to five yesterday. It was awesome. Yeah. And just like that, membership drops. <laughs> so the question is this: and what brings unification into the church? Like what, what did they do that we can watch happen here that will infect change in this community? Because that's what matters, right? Like, we want this to be a better place. I, I know for me, when we moved here, people would say, like, why in the world would you go to TR? Like, the schools are terrible. Because, you know, I've got two small kids. And, and my answer was not that, like, oh, well, that's okay, we're going to get by. My answer was because if we can go in and change the culture, the schools will get better and it'll provide more opportunity for people. Like we can have a shift in that system. We can be the solution, not just someone who acts like the problem doesn't exist. Right? Yeah? (laughs) Because we are not what our circumstances tell us we are. We are not conditioned to be things when the gospel comes into play, no matter what culture might say. So, so what do we see in, in, this, in this section? Even in the very first two verses, it says they, the people devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and the breaking of bread and prayers and all came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. and The church was exploding. What, what did they do to, make, to see that happen? What was the condition of heart to see those things happen? Well, the first thing I think that they had was they had devotion in their action. Devotion in their action. Well, what does that mean for us? Because we talk about the church doesn't necessarily have to be what we do, right? It's not a, not a, a gifts thing. It's not a show how great you are thing. I think they had a few things. They had a desire for the word. They devoted themselves to teaching devoted themselves. They have a strong desire to know more about who God was. Listen, do you know what the best way to beat bad theology and bad missiology or mission? You know what the best way to do that is? To read scripture and know what God says so we don't try to fill in the gaps with what we think. It's the best way. Every piece of bad theology, every bad culture thing that's happened in churches, because we have forsaken what God's word says, and we put what we think should be there instead. And so we get people who, like this top 10 list said, get hurt by church, feel like they're not served, like they're not, their needs aren't met, like the vision's not important. Because we've said this is what church should be, this is who God is, even if that's not who God says he is. So they had a desire for the word. They lived a lifestyle of relationship. For those of you following along, that's your second blank. A lifestyle of relationship. It's really interesting to me that we have uh, gotten to a point where we think that we don't need other people, where we've been told the main thing is us, and as long as I'm happy, then everything else will be okay, or where we've said all I need is me and my dog, and now that's enough. But then what happens is those things fall very short, and we're left going like, man, I I'm lonely. I don't know what to do. But what we see these people doing in the early church is that they had a lifestyle of relationship, that they they needed each other. And look, I'm not saying, let's be very clear. Scripture isn't, hey, um, everybody was an extrovert. They decided they had to be around people all the time. And so they just formed convents and all lived in huge houses and neighborhoods together. And they were always around each other. My wife would slowly die inside if that was the case. I wouldn't. I'd be like, hey, everybody, come to my house. Let's hang out. That's not what the Bible says. That's not what these people were doing. They weren't saying that they had to always be around tons of people so they felt better. They just said they needed each other, that they made a a priority to need each other. They broke bread together. They they had a a lifestyle of prayer. They were vulnerable with each other. They were willing to take the step of having needs. Can I tell you what I see in church culture today that, that is hard? We walk around and act like we don't have any needs. You can go to church and you can see people like, how are you? Like, great. I'm great. Inside I'm dying, but everything is great. There's a, a great clip out of uh, Parks and Rec, if you're a Parks and Rec fan, when Leslie Nope's world is slowly falling apart. And it cuts to her desk, and she's smiling with that big Leslie Nope smile, and she says, I'm dying and everything hurts inside. And But that, that's funny because we know that that's how we live. All right? Especially in the South, can we just be straight with Southerners? I'm from Ohio, I know, but I grew up here. I'm pretty much a Southern boy that just loves Ohio sports. But like, we are so good at not being vulnerable with people because, like, oh my gosh, if they know something's wrong, they're going to know that I'm not perfect, I don't have it all together, and then they will judge me. And God forbid anyone know that anything wasn't okay with you. But what I see in this group of people is that the only way to meet needs is to know that there's needs. Like, guys, let me tell you why I have such a tight relationship with some of the guys here at the church because I've sat across from them as they've cried, and they've sat across from me as I've cried, and we've just been honest with each other, and we've prayed for each other, and we've walked through hard, hard stuff with each other. And that builds trust and relationship. Am I right? And that, that's what we have to be. That's why this church is exploding, because people found a place to belong, and they found needs being met, and they found out they weren't the only ones who had needs. They weren't the only ones struggling. If you wake up and you're like, well, I've got it all together. Today is going to be perfect. I have no concerns, no worries. I'm just going to go live my life now. You are lying to yourself. Or, or you need to be up here. Because if that's you, then you you got to figure it out. And I'm not sure as heck don't. But they find commonality in that relationship. The second thing that brings unification in the church that we see here in Acts 2 is an awareness of ownership. An awareness of ownership. I know that sounds really cool. I spent many minutes crafting how that title would be, so thank you. Here's what it says that they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. Everybody voting for Bernie Sanders is like, amen, it's biblical. Socialism for the win. No. I've actually heard that verse used for that. Genuinely. Like, well, it's actually biblical to put everything in a pot and give a no, it's not. It's not what not, not what's happening. Let me just debunk that right now. Okay? I'm not telling you what politically to think. Please don't hear that. I don't want to lose our 51 c 3 because you got mad at me. No, it's not socialism. In fact, it's, it's not early onset socialism at all because it was voluntary. It says that the people, out of what they understood about ownership, had no problem selling and giving, meeting needs, being with each other. That's what it says. If you want to twist that so you can get more stuff and be lazy, you probably need to repent. One of the best tweets that I read this week was a lot of fun. Um, there was, a, as you know, a big climate change march, um, and a lot, of kids, a lot of students came up, and there's one video of this girl just going nutso, just yelling and screaming at everybody. It was like, look at the passion. and I'm like, that's not passion. That's a 15-year-old girl who's like, I can get a whole day out of school if I just go march. I'm just, it's a great reason. Listen, I, 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 could, I would actually find dead squirrels and be like, my pet squirrel died. I can't come to school today just to get out of school, genuinely. No, but if you go forward in Acts 5, actually it shows that people actually still have possessions. They still had things because it wasn't about me having and you having and us having. It was about you have a need and I have a means to solve it and to meet you there and to walk with you. It was partnership, community. It was an understanding of ownership. And here's what else they understood is that unified devotion and awareness of ownership brings Life. To death. This section of scripture, here's your uh, spiritual SAT word, the pericope. It's one of my favorites because it makes me sound really smart. I just read it. Actually, it was in one of my first seminary classes, and I was like, I don't know what that word means. Can someone explain it to me? That didn't go so well for me. Idiot. Sorry, I'm not fancy. Pericope. Then the Pericope. Says, the Lord added to their number day by day those who are being saved. Day by day. Day by day. Can I tell you something? TR, the city of TR, this is just the city, like the city limits where we are, not, not Taylor's, Greer, Greenville, not even wider, 29690, not Berea. The city of TR just did a study because, as you know, we're growing a little bit. And there are 12,000 people who live in the city limits of TR. 12,000. And Greenville just released a study that said 220,000 people, at least 220,000 people are going to be moving to Greenville in the next two decades. So hold on to your real estate licenses. 220,000. And that doesn't include the births, because we are reproducing at a crazy rate. We have like 19 pregnant women in this church. We're going to have three babies in the next week or two, probably. Right, Afton? JC? Hold out hope. Hold out hope. We got one in the hospital right now. It's growing in crazy, crazy amounts of speed. But unified devotion and awareness of ownership has us create a foundation to where when those people come, they have a place to belong. They have a place to be a part of. That's why we're here. Like, listen, if, if we're just here to have fun and sing good songs because Riley's cute and sings well, then, then we're, we're missing it, guys. We are missing it, right? If, if that's all we're doing, we're missing it. Because there's churches all over the place. We actually, you can ask Lane, we, we, I, didn't, I told her I was never going to be a lead pastor and never plan a church, didn't I? How many years ago? When I was in student ministry, when I was working with Afton at First Press. You want some stories? Yeah. We got a few, huh, Afton? Got a few. But the problem isn't that there's a lot of churches. The problem is that we can build an incredible community for people to walk in and be skeptical and scared and not have it all together and still have a place to belong. That brings life into death. Like, Guys, I'll be honest, I don't want to have a church where I'm afraid to invite people. And I don't want to feel this like dogma about making sure that every single person you walk away, or you walk around and meet at Walmart, you say, Hey, I have this church, come to it. You look like you'd fit in. I don't want any of that pressure. I want us to be able to have a foundation of a church, of a place that the gospel matters, people's lives matter, that naturally reaches out to the community so that they can come here and know that it's a safe place for them to belong. And have ownership in the gospel, have ownership when people are baptized. Like I said, we're baptizing 19, 20, and 21 soon. That we can celebrate that because we are a part of it. That's what this is about. So the question then is this, how does a group unknown to each other, of people who are unknown to each other, right? Because we can kind of confirm that before Pentecost, they didn't really know each other. Just people lived in a city, kind of like here. How does a group unknown to each other move toward this idea of commonality in all things, this unified vision, this mission where lives change and things matter? How do we get to that point? I think it's, it's pretty much like a one, one deal thing. Is that vision realized had to first be worth a prior sacrifice. I never would have had a date with Lane if I didn't just sacrifice, knowing that if she could wreck me, turn me down, wreck me, and I would walk around with my head down, crying, and been like, that's it, I'll be single forever, right? Husbands, if you didn't take that step, you might not be married. Now, some of you guys, some of you wives are like, well, he just wore me down, he just wouldn't leave me alone. I got news, it worked, he's here beside you. So, ha. I wish you could see my perspective of all the wives who just looked at husbands <laughs> like, well, <laughs> he's right. <laughs> but but a, a vision that is realized has to first be worth that prior sacrifice. If that sacrifice doesn't happen, then now doesn't happen. It's just how it is. It's the reality of what's happening here. That if you don't take those steps, you will never be able to have the, realization of what the whole point of this thing is. But, but here's the difference in church, and this is what I hope you hear my heart on as we get into some of the bigger stuff here as we close. Well, I don't want to say that as we get ready to start closing. <laughs> 30 minutes later, he said he was closing. Um, here's the difference. Some of you have been in churches where you've been guilted into things, obligated into things, pushed to do things because you were in need, and not a part. Not what I'm doing here. Okay. Here's the difference. Religiousness coerces obligatory action. When it's religious dogma, it is that you need to do this because you should. And there's pressure that you have to do this or else. That's not not what happens. That's the difference of when people are being added num- by number day to day. Those who are being saved and people who go to churches and they feel like. I don't belong, or it doesn't meet my needs, and I need to run. Those are the difference. The difference is that relationship and unity it brings a joyful expression of community. Religious dogma will always force you to be obligated to do things that you don't want to do. But relational, purposeful, hopeful community will bring a joyful expression of that opportunity that you have to be used by God to change lives. If you ever feel like giving or like serving is an obligation, um, if if that is where it starts, then you will always do so with a um, heart of resistance and bitterness, right? It's why arranged marriages aren't always the best route. Although my daughter will have one. When she's 30. Yeah. But, but no, if, it's, if it's obligation of why you give or serve or attend or come and be a part of things, then all we're doing is I'm fighting with you to get you to do something you don't want to do and so it'll be bitterness from the moment you wake up to the moment you have something else that conflicts with the schedule to the moment that you don't want to do what it is you think you should do because you don't want to let someone down instead of When there's unified vision, it is a joy to be a part of it. I've walked through Owen's 16 football seasons. It was still a joy. And that's what we're asking you to do. Because when vision is realized, it's because of the prior sacrifice that was made. And so when we talk about your time, your finances, your ability to unification and relationship and mission, it's the difference between just giving of those things and and living a lifestyle of generosity and joy. Listen, I don't want you to ever come into this church and feel obligated or annoyed that you're here or pressured. I, I don't want that. Uh, We've said it throughout the entirety of our church. I've gotten up here and I've said it, and maybe it's not popular, but like, if you're giving and it's like for you, don't give, because God doesn't need it. Like, if you're serving and you're doing it just because, like, it's the right thing to do, and you don't find joy, stop. Listen, we can build this church on a slow and easy grind. That's totally fine. I've I've spent copious amounts of time in the church planning process and church leadership process of fighting with people for them, and it always ends poorly. Man, we will fight for you. When your marriage needs a break, you've got nowhere else to turn and you just need three days away from your kids, you will have a family who will gladly give you an opportunity that you did not see fit, that you don't deserve when you have a hardship or a prayer request or you just need someone to walk with you, you have a family of people who will do that with you. When you have people that are hurting and struggling and disease comes and hardship comes or your kids make terrible decisions and you are embarrassed and don't know where to turn, I can promise you that you will have a family because we will not serve, love, and give out of obligation. We will do so out of community, unity, and hope. And that is is how the Lord adds to the number day by day. <coughs> because it's not about obligation, it's about hope. There's a, a thing in churches called the 80-20 rule. It's called the Pareto principle. Probably said that wrong, but that's all right. It won't be the first or the last. And it's that 20% of the people accomplish 80% of the vision. You can run that through the mill in every single category. of the church body supplies 80% of the financial budget. 20% of the church body serves 80% of the served needs, volunteer opportunities. That 20% of the church mobilizes 80% of the mission. Here's here's my question. If that is a stated fact, a human behavior, something that is measurable and known, what what can we possibly do, right? Let's, Let's be real. What can we possibly do to fix what is perceived as a fact of human behavior and culture, right? That seems hopeless, right? Like it's been a hundred years. Things aren't changing. Here's what I'm going to do. You ready? I'm going to be totally naive to that. I will be that pastor who's a total idiot and believes that we can be different. I will. And that's okay. I don't mind that. But, but I think there's four things we can do to, to refuse that, to fix this, to be different. Because church, if we're not different, I don't want to be here. I just want you to know that. Like, if this isn't different, if it doesn't provide something different, if it doesn't really provide hope, if we're not willing to walk with people who don't fit in the contextual Southern gospel, if if we don't matter, I don't want to be here. I would rather all of us go to another church together and make that church awesome. Genuinely. But that's not what I think we can do. I think we can actually be the fix for this, but it's going to take sacrifice. I was talking to, um, to Justin Vance, who's awesome. He's the guy with glasses and the big beard. That, well, that's like half our church, but <laughs> but I was talking to him and uh, asked how the week was. We check in with each other. He comes to Leaf and Lager, which happens in two weeks at 13 Stripes, and sometimes we find other reasons to go, right, Justin? Just, you know, it's a pull of our hearts. Yeah, it's whatever. Not because of anything else. Um and so we check in with each other the week, see how things are going. I was like, man, I feel like we're at this place in our church where it's like this glass ceiling. You know, I've never really felt it before in any kind of ministry environment. But I feel like we're at this like place where I'm hitting the glass ceiling and we're almost there and we're still struggling. And it's like, man, we need volunteers here. We need budget here. We need this thing here. And our, we got to get word out on our social media. And I'm like, ah. And I said, but you know what we're going to do is I'm either going to knock myself out, hitting the glass ceiling, or at some point my head's going to be hard enough and we're going to break through it. And I think that's the first thing of what helps us accomplish this is that we have to refuse the status quo. Church, you have to refuse the status quo. You do not follow and worship a God of the status quo. If you do, we should talk. But you know what the great thing about that is? Is that when you follow a God who is not of the status quo, you also aren't under the rule of religious dogma and things that other people say he is. You're under what he says he is. And all he asks is obedience and to love him. That's it. That, like, that's it. That's it. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. That's it. See, we can refuse the status quo, but it, becomes, it only comes if we make a firm commitment to being part of a solution rather than a confirmer of the, the statistic that's given. I can't make, I'm not going to ask you to obligate yourself toward anything. Because I don't want you to see me in Walmart and be like, uh-oh, he's got questions, right? I don't want to see you in Walmart. I don't really want to go there. i going to be honest with you. It's straightforward. Not my place. Scary, scary. Like a dude set it on fire a couple of months ago. Um, it's not a place I want to be. No, I love Walmart. No, what I want you to do is I want you to make a firm commitment to Jesus and to being part of the solution rather than a confirmer of the statistic, but I want it to be your commitment, not mine. Not our elders, not our volunteers, not our staff. I don't want it to be their commitment. I want it to be yours. Second thing is to take the first step. First step is the hardest one to take. That's why when you go ask someone on a date, it's terrifying, Right? But when you have that first step, when it's all out there, what happens? You're like, "Ah," you can breathe, right? Like, well, that's over with, kind of. The hardest way, the hardest conversations to have are the ones that you haven't had yet. And listen, I gotta tell you, there have been a lot of hard conversations in that office over there, or in that one. If you talk to any of the elders, any of our staff, they know, they'll tell you. It's the hardest step to take is that first one to say, okay, here's what we've gotta do. But when you take it, When that weight is gone, man, things start changing. The third is this it's to ask God to allow the mission to loom greater in your heart than the fear and doubt would. And when I approached my now wife, I had to know that it was going to be worth it if it worked. I'd only told one girl to ever go out with me. Well, two now that I have a daughter. But yeah, very protective. But I knew that the end game was worth whatever I was sacrificing now. And the fourth one is this. And this is I I, I I please hear my heart in this. Just whew. if you're not hearing a little uncomfortable yet, then. That's cool. You have like 10 more minutes to not listen to me. Um, But here's what I'm going to ask. Take the step you've been called to take, or called to make rather, not the step that you feel forced to take. It's a big difference. Again, I'm going to push this until I'm blue in the face. Uh, We don't want obligated people. People can't be on mission And people can't be making a difference in people's lives if they're obligated. I don't want that. Take the step you've been called to make. My goal is not for you to feel pressure or obligation. It's for you to joyfully step into this idea of missional generosity together so that when we baptize people, when we see marriages healed, when we have these testimonial moments, you're going to be like, look around the room and be like, hey, we, like God used us for that. Like I was a part of that. I, I, I was a, a a cog in the wheel that brought someone to a place where they met Jesus and had their eternity changed. And that happens through playing music. That happens through holding doors open. That hope happens through going to community groups. That happens through loving trail kids. That happens through giving. That happens through Third Saturday and Parents Not Out. That's where those things happen. It doesn't happen because people come here and hear this incredible, good-looking preacher The six-pack who, camera adds 30, and being, I guess, live in person, adds 35 pounds too. No, but here's the deal, guys. The early church was successful not because of action they took. It was successful because of the heart that was displayed to the people around them. It was, it was what was in them that came out of them. Jesus says it's out of the overflow of what? Anybody know? That the mouth speaks what? Heart. Out of the overflow of heart, the mouth speaks. the church blew up because the people had an overflow of heart that came out as giving, loving, serving, and caring for each other. That's what happens. When the church forgets how to do that, the church dies, dies, falls apart. And y'all, there are too many people walking the streets of Greenville County to let that happen at Trailside Church, too many. I told you if this is your first time, we're going a little hard, so here it is. But I'm just not okay with being a, a statistic. So then, what steps am I going to ask you to take today? Here's the big one. This is the big ask. Get ready. It's what you hate church for. We're going to talk about money and serving. Are we okay with that? You guys walk with me through that one? Great. We're, we're doing a fall forward offering this week, today. And, and here's, what, here's what I need. I'm just going to be straight with you. Summer is hard financially, We got a new building, and we just had to pay a ton of deposits. It was tough. We're in a tough spot. We need help. We have a $1,900 deposit we had to pay just to have energy, to have lights, because that was what the city used. We don't use that much, but it's tough. Summer's hard. So we're having this fall forward offering, and I'm going to ask you to consider taking a new step. Giving regularly is up to you. That's between you and God. What I'm asking is you to consider one time giving a little bit of what you have so we can answer some felt needs in our community. That's it. I'm not going to tell you what to give. I'm not going to tell you how much you should give because that's between you and God. I just want you to feel the boldness and the assurance that if God is laying something on your heart and is pointing you somewhere, that you can say yes and take that step. I don't care if it's a dollar. I don't care if it's a million. If it's a million, let me know. We can talk. We'll go to Disney or something. Um, But we just need some help. Let me straight with you. Church is growing. Great things are happening. um, But we've been able to do a lot of incredible things lately. And it's because of you guys, because of your hearts, because of your obedience and your giving. And so um, here's where that's going. 25% of it's going to go to love our students, resolve college and career. I don't know if you know this, but we have like 20 plus high schoolers and middle schoolers here at Resolve. It's crazy. Yes, we have a young church. Yes, we have a young student minister. But him and his team are killing it. And there are students coming out of the woodwork. It's crazy. That's more students than I had when we got to First Press, which is a 4,000-member church in the middle of downtown Greenville. Let me just put that in your brain. 25% 25% is gonna to go to our outreach and community engagement. This week is Parents Night Out. Let me help you guys. If you have children, we want to give you a free night of babysitting, okay? Like, that's what we wanna do. Like It is for our church and for our community. If you wanna come help, we always need volunteers. We'd love for you to come volunteer. It's a ton of fun. I laugh a lot because kids are hilarious and they fall down sometimes. It's great, <laughs> right? But 25% of that is going to go to things like Parents Night Out and to our third Saturday. It's going to go to to reach into our community. We have a a dream. I guess I have a dream. We have a dream that we um, can write a check to buy new playground equipment at Gateway Park because it needs it, and it's in the middle of our city. And if we do that, what we're doing is we're hitting a need where parents will come and bring their kids into the park and have fun on this incredible playground, and it'll build families back up. You know what we're not going to do? We're not going to brand it with Trailside Church. There will not be a vinyl cutout on the slide like, this is brought to you by Trailside and a picture of me on the side, right? (laughs) Unless it's heavily Photoshopped, Dusty. Um, We're not going to do that because that's not what matters. What matters is that we can meet felt needs and we can go in and love people well so that fathers will hang out with their daughters and catch them on the way down the slide. And dads and moms can sit on a park bench together and talk as their kids run around and play with friends. Like that's, that's why we want to do those things. All right? I don't need a Lamborghini. I'm good. But, man, people need things in their lives that we can meet. And the great thing is we can use that and the gospel, put them together, and we can see some incredible change happen. And then 50% of the offering is going to go to um, just help us catch up on the summer months with bills. I'm going to be honest with you. There's no way to make it pretty. It's expensive. Um, and so for those of you who call home or TSC home, what we're asking is to help, help our vision not be hamstrung by our fear. If, if this is your first time and you're going to be here forever after this, I don't feel pressure. Don't anybody feel pressure obligation, but that's what's going to happen. And we just don't want our vision to be hamstrung by our fear. So real quick, here are how you can give, serve, and fellowship, because I don't want you just to give. Listen, I've been in churches where people threw checks at stuff. Amen? was at one point in time we were dying. We were dying for volunteers. A free weekend to hang out in the woods, in the mountains. Free weekend. We had like 125 high schoolers and middle schoolers who wanted to hang out, and we were at a point where we actually... We're going to have to tell like 25 of those kids they couldn't come because we didn't have any volunteers. And I was like, man, we're begging. We are looking for people. And I had someone be like, well, I'd love to write a um, scholarship check. I'm like, we, we don't need that. I don't need you to write a check. Like, the, that's fine. I, I need you to come and just, just love on kids for a day and a half. That's it. Like, if it's just about giving, then it doesn't matter. If it's just about serving, it doesn't matter. But here's how you can do all three of those things. The first is the ways to give. We have our app. We have online. Um, the app's really cool. You can There's prayer requests. You can put prayer requests on there and pray for each other and commit to pray for each other. You can read sermon notes. You can see pictures and all kinds of great stuff on there. Um, you can go on the app and online, and there's actually online. There's a fall, a fall forward offering line on there. Um, we're going to have some baskets in the back after where you can just write, fall forward on the envelope and put whatever you want in there. Or there's a giving kiosk outside the sanctuary. Um, You can text give to that number. That's just our number. So it's not like you're going to do that and end up, um, I don't know, giving a trail side in Anchorage, which is a real thing. Um, Or because we live in 2019, we actually have Venmo now, because I guess that's a thing. Um, You can search Trailside Church and put it in there. And all those are 501c3 deductible. We put them into our program. You'll get all the tax stuff. Uh, But those are the ways we can do that. But again, if giving is all that we do, that that misses a huge part of what this early church was. we love for you to serve. And that's so that you can have ownership in this thing. That you can play a part. Our Trail Kids is an incredible ministry. They are killing it. They're also being killed. (laughs) Because we have a ton of kids. A ton. And we are wiping out volunteers. And so if if you can give one week, one weekend, to come up and help Ray, that's incredible. Our goal is to grow so much that we need two services. And hopefully soon we'll do that. And we'll have one service where you can come and another you can serve. And I think that'll help. But right now, we just need some help. And uh, man, listen, I put my money where my mouth is. My wife is back there every week almost every week. We would love for you to do that. Worship, I know we had a young crew up here today. We got some incredible people that are actually out of town this week as well. But if you sing or or can play instrument or whatever, we would love for you to come up here and do that. Like, listen, we have a girl who is 17 years old who kills it, who I'm just dying to get on stage here for you to hear. And like the band is working with her and doing incredible things and building her confidence up like I'm trying to do right now because she's in the room. She's gonna blow your mind. And I know when you see people like that, you're like, man, I'm not good enough to play on that stage, to be on that platform. Yes, you are. Right, Riley? Oh, he's back there. Never mind. Right, Riley? Yeah. Or production. If you can click a space button, you're in. You're in. Space bar button, whatever. It's been great being here, guys. Or Sunday serve teams, we need people who just will stand out a door and smile. If you can do that, if you can come at 9:45 and smile at people, you have a place here. we love for you to be here. Or if you love to cook breakfast and you want to cook breakfast for people, we love that. Come feed us. It's the most selfish thing I've said all day. Or if you want to be in our missions and outreach, we have a, a goal to actually go and do some big, big missions trips, some outside Greenville stuff. But in the meantime, we have third Saturday. And it's really cool. Yesterday, I was actually sick yesterday, but yesterday we cleaned out this warehouse back here so that in the next month or two, we can offer a free car clinic to people who don't have means to get oil changes or don't know how to change brakes because they can't afford the hundred and whatever million dollars it is to change brakes, which is bananas to me. But single moms who just don't have time or a need, we're going to provide that. But we need people. And so we'd love for you to email Hannah for that. Just Hannah at Trailside. And then ways to fellowship. The last thing here. Um, I I cannot beg you enough to get into a community group. Because not because I want you there. You've probably never heard me say we have X amount of people in community groups because that doesn't matter. It's not a thing that we pump ourselves up with. It's because you need to be in one. You need people to walk with who will love you and care for you. So get in one. Email me, Sean at Trailside. I will hook you up. We already talked about third Saturday, Parents Night Out. Email Hannah. Come be a part of Parents Night Out. It's awesome. Or if you have kids and you need a date night and you and your husband are... Boyfriend or whoever needs some time, please sign up, bring your kids, and go have fun. We want that for you. That's why we're doing it. We want you to have time to invest in your relationship. Please do that. The gathering, College and Career, the first Friday. Tyler, could you use some people to come help out? Yeah. You want to love college kids well? Great opportunity. For Resolve on Wednesday nights, if you have a heart for teenagers, Talk to Mikey. They're doing incredible things. Love for you to give a weekend, a Wednesday or two Wednesdays a month or four if you just really want Jesus to love you a lot. Right, Mikey? Yeah. But I I don't want it to stop there. Here's here's why we're doing this today. Outside of just, you know, needs and things. The next series we're going to do is really intense. We're going to give you uh, six weeks of of stories and of people who have been in our church and around our church and a part of our church who have had their lives wildly impacted by the gospel. Like things when you see people on Sunday, you're like, I had no idea. And they're going to be very vulnerable and very real. And it's going to start with Riley, our worship leader, next week. And I want you over the next six weeks to hear what God is doing and has already done through this place. Not through me or through Dusty's great videos or Riley's singing, but what what God is doing by his love for his people. He's restoring marriages. He's restoring people back to churches who got tired and left or hurt or angry. He's bringing life into death. And we're gonna give you six stories over the next six weeks that demonstrate what God is doing through your already giving, through your already continuing giving and serving in prayer. And I hope that it just pumps you up. Let's go that much harder. So I'm going to pray. I'm going to call an audible. We'll have baskets in the back on your way out. But we're going to um, we're going to take a step this morning to covenant together as we celebrate the Lord's Supper. So I'm going to let Marcus play for a minute. I'm going to come back in just a minute. I want you to pray. Ask God to reveal your heart. What steps you need to take or not take. And prepare as we get ready to celebrate the Lord's Supper. So, Marcus, just play for a minute. I'm going to pray and ask you just to bow your heads. Father, help us to examine our hearts. Help us not fear what you're calling us to. As we take these next moments, God, I ask that you would alleviate fear. That we would trust you. And so, Lord, as we take this moment, help us to examine our hearts and speak to us. you more, Jesus, as, as we seek to celebrate what you've done for us, as we remember as we remember the moment that you gave everything or what you had already done just by coming down and taking on the form of a human, by humbling yourself and living a life we couldn't. We celebrate what it is you've done. everything you are. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Now, church, as we celebrate this truth, as we take the Lord's Supper together, I want to kind of explain to you who it is, who it's for, what it is, and why we do it. But um, the Lord's Supper is a a commemoration, a remembrance of the proclamation of Jesus' death and resurrection until he comes again. This is what 1 Corinthians says. In chapter 11, verse 24, it says, And when he had given thanks, being Jesus, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup. And after supper, he said, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink in remembrance of church, this is a corporate exercise, a, a body, all of us together remembering this. And, and as a church body, it's also equally as important for us to examine our hearts before we take the body and the blood. As we have an opportunity to repent, to ask Jesus to heal our hearts, to forgive us of ways we've fallen short, it, it is just as important to be an acknowledgement of the hope that you and I have in him. That that this world is not all that you're promised. That no matter what may come against you that Jesus has already overcome it. That he will not leave you wanting. And so this meal is for those of us who know and love Jesus. If, if you're not a believer, thats I'm so happy you're here and I hope that you find hope in that. And if you want to know him, if you want to know what that means, I'd love to talk to you or Tyler, one of our other, other pastors, Mikey, or any of our elders would love to talk to you about what that means. But this is a meal that's for those who know and love Jesus. And, and if you want that, I would welcome you to come to the table. But knowing that when Jesus instituted this ordinance of the Lord's Supper, during this final Passover, before he was crucified, his body pulled piece by piece and hung on a cross, he didn't merely proclaim it just so that we would know of his death. He also proclaimed the benefits of what would happen to his people. And that's why Matthew records him saying that he took the cup gave it and gave it to his disciples and said drink it all of you for this is the blood of the covenant covenant is the promise that God made to you that he would never forsake you even in the midst of hardship and that's the gospel that we take hope in and so I'll encourage you as you come up to do so and do this in remembrance of him and give thanks for what he has done. This is um, a means of grace. It's a reminder. And it's to remind us that we will never be worthy of the salvation he has. If you were worthy of what God did for you, then he wouldn't be God. If you could earn this, then there'd be no need for Jesus. Instead, it's a proclamation of the heart that he is worthy of your praise, of our faith, our passion, our confession, our hope, our joy, our trust, because he has died for our sins and he has raised from the dead and he has purchased your redemption through his death. See, we don't confess our sins to be worthy. He just says that you are. Our examination doesn't make us worthy Jesus does. And so Pastor Tyler's going to stand here with a cup. Mikey's going to be over here with the bread. Josh, our elders, will be over here with the bread. And what we're going to ask you to do is, when you're ready, to come. And they'll just hold the bread out and you can just take a piece of it. And if you want to come to the middle and, and share in the cup, Tyler will be here. And if that kind of weirds you out, little cups on the side we want this to be a holy moment that you take in means of your own timeline and by the way if you're gluten free we have a gluten free bowl bring that up here because we love TR (laughs) thanks Riley but the table is open I'm going to pray and it'll be yours Jesus, thank you for your sacrifice. Thank you for your love. Thank you that everything we need, we have because of you. And Lord, as we take this moment to remember what it is you've done, I pray that we wouldn't take it in fear and we wouldn't take it in apathy but instead we would take it knowing that you are exactly who you say you are. And that you love us enough to give yourself to us so that we might be with you forever. So help us to examine ourselves as we close, knowing that you are good and you are exactly who you say you are. Thanks so much for listening. We hope you were encouraged by the message and feel closer to Christ than you ever have before. If you'd like to learn more about our ministry, visit us in person or help support our mission as we seek to love Jesus, serve others, and live unified, check us out online at trailside.church or you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Thanks so much for listening. and We can't wait to see you again soon.